On Sunday, January 26, 2020, Lakers legend Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter Gianna passed away in a fatal helicopter crash that also claimed the lives of seven others. Bryant excelled as a basketball player, ambassador, and storyteller. Over the next hour, we will try to pay tribute to him by telling our own stories of his accolades on and off the court. Welcome to Inside the Green Room. I'm Danny Green, and this is my co-host, Harrison Sanford. Danny, unfortunately, this is an episode that we didn't want to do, mm-hmm. but I'm happy that we are joined by Quinn Cook, your teammate, obviously, and Phil Handy, who's done a lot of work with Kobe over the years. Nobody better. Nobody better to join us as we try to pay tribute to Kobe Bryant. So, Phil, before we get started, for everybody listening and watching at home, can you detail how you first met Kobe and, and how you've known him over the years? Oh, man. Um, so I met, I met Kobe my first opportunity of being an NBA coach. I started here with the Lakers in 2011. Uh, Mike Brown hired me to be part of his staff. And, um, you know, his, his words to me as I was hired was, you know, your first job is to try to build a relationship with Kobe and make sure the rest of the players are working. And so, you know, I had never coached on an NBA staff before. And, you know, I, I didn't meet Kobe right away because we had a lockout. It was an NBA lockout that year. So there was no work that we could do with the actual players on court. And so once the lockout ended, uh, you know, we actually got back to work. We started practicing. And Kobe was one of those guys, man, that, you know, I didn't, Again, I didn't know him, so I didn't know how to build a relationship with him. But only way to figure it was just to work. And so, you know, as we started practice, you know, I would obviously always get there early and, and get on the court and work with guys. And like the first three or four days, you know, Kobe would come out of the, the weight room. And he would pull up a chair and just sit there and watch for like three or four minutes. He would sit there and watch me work with guys and <clears> he'd go back in the room. Didn't say anything. Didn't say, I want to get some work in. He just, like, like three or four days. Um, and then finally, you know, one afternoon, he texts me. <laughs> he texts me at, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon after practice and say, hey, I want, um, I, want to, I want to work out. You know, meet me at the gym at 545. So I was like, Ben, let's go. <laughs> let's get it. So that night, I showed up at the gym at, at 545. I sat there for like an hour waiting for this dude. Like, hey, go come in. All right, man, this dude not going to show up. So the next morning, you know, we practice at like 10. You know, I, I show up at the facility around 7.30, 8 o'clock. You know, I, normal work, I show up. You know, and he's there. And the first thing he does, he like comes at my neck like, yo, mofo. Mm-hmm. What, what's up? You, you ain't going to show up for work? Fuck, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, bro, I was here last night. <laughs> You know, he said 545. He, was, he looked at me. He's like, man, I meant 545 this morning, fool. So I was like, I was like yo. <laughs> I said, hold up, man. I said, bro. I, and the only thing I could do was just like, I just looked at him like, man. And so he was like, be here tomorrow, 545. And that was kind of like how our relationship on the court started. And, man, it was um, – it was a thing of learning. You know, you always talk about how coaches teach players, but, you know, it, it was a true collaboration. I learned a lot from him, man, just in terms of how to work, you know, footwork, details, and how his mind, how he thought as a player, man, it was education for me 
you know, as much as I was helping him, it was a true education for me. So that was, that was my first, you know, first opportunity experience with him in 2011 and, and just the beginning of building, building a relationship to the present day. Over the course of this episode, we want to talk about your involvement with the Mamba Pro uh, Invitational. We'd also love to hear Quinn's experience and how you've grown up to idolize Kobe Bryant. We'll talk about his influence in the women's basketball game as well. Uh, and then we'll also uh, talk about some of your favorite moments that you've had with him as well, Danny. But before we get started and get into that eventually, um, and I'll leave this open for anybody mm -hmm. here, uh, where were you? And obviously it's known now that you're on the plane, but do you remember that moment when you first got the news? Yeah, uh, for me, I was asleep. I was asleep. I think most of us were. Yeah. I know up front uh, where the players are. I was asleep, and uh, I just felt, you know, a hand on my shoulder. Just kind of shake me up a little bit. So uh, it was Coach Vogel, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, DeMarcus, like, sits right next to me. And, like, DeMarcus was just looking at me with just this look, like, what's going on? I think because, you know, Frank just had told him. I think Coach was going up the line and just telling everybody. So, uh, you know, he wakes me up. He's like, um, you know, Quinn, um, sorry to tell you, but, you know, Kobe and his daughter have been in a helicopter crash. You know, we don't know any details. So I'm like, Kobe? Like, Kobe who? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you talking about? Like, he's like, yeah, Kobe Bryant. Like, Kobe, you know, number eight. That's, he said number eight. I'm like, all right. Then I just look around the plane, and I just see Coach walk back. And I look in front of me, and I just see LeBron and AD and, you know, uh, Randy, just AB, Dwight, everybody was just crushed, like, so it didn't hit me, so I turned my Wi-Fi on just to see. You know, I got like 200 messages. Twitter is just going crazy. And, uh, you know, LeBron gathered everybody up, and he said a team prayer. He led a team prayer, that's, which was very, very, very powerful. Um, and after that, just, you know, that, like Danny tell you, I was crushed. I was crying the whole flight. I was absolutely destroyed because I think that's when it really hit me. And, uh, you know, everybody you know, um, on the plane was, but for me, it's like, that's always been my guy. So, you know, I had my selfish reasons, like my guy's gone, like nobody really understands my love for him. So I started going through my phone, trying to find like old pictures and stuff. But then I realized, I'm like, man, like this is everybody's guy. Like I seen Bron, like these two, you know, are super close. Him and Dwight played on the same team. I started thinking about Judy in the back. I started thinking about Phil, just, you know, we're, we're thrown right into it. Like, obviously, the whole basketball world is messed up. The whole world, you know, ha has been messed up. But, like, for us, it's like we're with people every day who were his go-to people for the last 20 years. And that was really tough for everybody. But, you know, I think for us it was like, and I can speak for myself, like, it felt good coming to practice every day because we genuinely, like, we're all feeling the same. And we all, like, literally were checking up on each other. Like, mm -hmm. I remember Phil, when I got home, like, Phil, you know, was one of the first to text me. The next morning, like, all my teammates had texted me, like, you know, we all going through it, but I know you're going through it as well. And it just felt good to, like, feel that genuine, you know, support, you know, from my brothers. And, uh, you know, we still going through it. We still fighting it. But, you know, that, that plane ride was something I'll never forget. Yeah, um, I got the same kind of wake up. I think I was the last person in the front to get notified <coughs> because... I said he started from the front, probably back. I'm at the back of the plane, uh, the back of the players' part of the plane, anyway. And um, I'm sitting next to, I think at the time, 
It was JaVale, because JaVale had been sick yeah. on the trip. Yeah. Instead of having him in his normal seat, they kind of quarantined him in the back, sitting next to me and shit. <laughs> but, um, so we had just played Philly. It was a, it was a really bad, it was a tough game. And uh, most of us are tough on each other, tough on ourselves. We're, a bit, we're our biggest critics. And we're, we're all not feeling great from the loss. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, I'm waking up. Frank, Coach Vogel wakes me up. Danny, wake up. And I'm thinking, like, oh, sh you know, maybe trade or, you know, starting position. We're all so caught up in our own little lives in the basketball and how bad this one game was. I'm thinking bad news in terms of something minuscule as a basketball game or as, you know, a job type description of news. It's actually someone's life. Kobe, Kobe and his daughter has been in a helicopter crash. They just passed away. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, I'm still half asleep trying to process this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what? And I'm looking around. Everybody in the, I think Bron was in the bathroom. Dwight was in the bathroom already at this point. Bron, everybody's standing around. Bron's in the back over here. And I'm just like, no, this can't be true. So I did the same thing Quinn did. I get my phones. I turn my phones on. Turn the Wi-Fi on. I'm looking all over the internet. I'm like, I'm, this has to be a joke. Like, this has to, can't be real. But, um, and then the second thing that hit me was, where, where's Phil? Let me find Phil. And I went back there, but I think Phil was in the bathroom at this time for a while. And I already knew it was, gonna hit, I knew it was probably hitting him kind of hard. And I knew it hit everybody hard. It hit the whole world. But I was just like, damn. And um, I was like, where's Phil? Where's Phil? I got I to gotta check on Phil, see if he's all right. I think Judy got the message late, too, because she, she started, um, she kind of processed for her a little later, too. Um, but it took a while for me to even process or understand what was actually going on um, and actually to believe it. Um, but once, you know, I said, Bron got everybody together and we started praying, um, you know, it became more real. And as the hours and minutes became, and as we landed, it just became even more real. Um, and it was just tougher. So around that time, it was, so like Quinn said, it was great to, it was a, obviously a bad time, but it was great for our group to be together at practice those days, to come together and, and have that genuine love. And everybody not even worried about Philly game or how bad we're playing or the chemistry of this or minutes or that or who's doing what, who's playing well or trade deadline. It was, you know, are you good? Is your family good? Is everybody be safe? Drive, get home safe. Make sure you're, you're this. Y'all need to get out. You want to get in the gym uh, just to clear your head. Because you know, everywhere you look, it was on your phone. It was on social media. It was on the TV. Um, anytime I tried to just watch something and not focus on it, go right to my phone. Next, you know, you start thinking about COVID and you see something, another video comes out of COVID and you just start getting emotional. You're like, damn, I can't even watch my shows without getting emotional. And, um, you know, your girlfriend's checking on you, your family's checking on you. And um, I wasn't sure how we were going to play. So Tuesday, I was like, man, this is going to be a tough one. Um, but so the news came to me as just a complete shock and it was hard for me to process. And, and it wasn't real at first. It took time for it to become real. And once it became real, um, it was just, it's a crushing for everybody, not just in the basketball world, not just our team, but the whole world. And you can see how many people loved him. Um, it's because everywhere we go now, it's going to be a Kobe thing, and as it should be. Mm -hmm. You know, he built this. He built a lot of not just the Lakers organization, but the league, and a lot of our young guys' mm. careers and motivations, and a lot of stuff we aspire to be because we watched Kobe Bryant. I would love to continue that, that part of the conversation and we will talk about how you mm -hmm. move on through the course of the season. But Phil, for you being on that plane, obviously having a family, not being able to get to them at that moment, digesting the news about the passing of Kobe and his daughter and seven other passengers on that helicopter, what did you do to try to 
I don't think you try to contain your emotions at that time. Yeah. You're trying to embrace the, the truth. Man, I'm just like Danny and Quinn. You know, I, it's hardly, it's rare for me. I don't sleep on the plane a lot, but when I do, I throw a blanket over my head. And uh, I just, like Quinn said, I just felt somebody tugging at me. And it was just, it, even when I f got woken up, it just felt, felt crazy. And Frank was just standing right there and he had this look on his face, man. And uh, he was just like, uh, same, he's like, Phil, man, we just, we just found out that there was a helicopter crash and uh, Kobe and Gigi are, you know, they passed away. And it immediately, there was no, this can't be real. I just, I looked at Frank and almost fell out of my seat. Like just, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things when you, I don't, you can never be prepared for something like that. It's not what you expect when yeah. you wake up. Just the last thing, you, your mind is not even there. And, um, it just, uh, it immediately helped for me. And um, I got up and went to the bathroom, and Kyrie started calling me. He called me about 10 times, and I couldn't pick up the phone. And I knew he was crushed. And it just, uh, just one of those things, man. <clears throat> you just think about, like you said, all the people impacted. It's not even, it's not even the people necessarily that knew him or played with him. You know, I think it was it was truly a, a worldwide thing where people are devastated, man. People that don't even know him, people that never played basketball, to see his impact on on the on the world and just how. Everybody just, everything stopped. It was, I'm telling you, man, I feel like the world stopped. And uh, it was, that was a tough moment. And so you just, you know, you just try to figure out a way to process. I think for me, the hardest part is just, is try, it's always been just the why, or, you know, understanding it. You can't understand it. You know, I've lost my parents, I've lost a brother. They were ill, so you can put that in the compartment and say, hey, they're in a better place. You know, with, you know, tragedies are not, they're never easy to try to understand, right? It just, it doesn't make sense. I think that's what we're, we're all dealing with. It's like, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. So that was, that was a, that was a tough moment. You know, and everybody, everybody processes it different. I think one thing I learned is my parents passed away and I tried to act like it didn't happen. You know, like Danny said, I, it was just raw, raw emotion for me, man. So I, I sat in the bathroom for about an hour, and uh, that's just one of those things. Danny, I know you've you've known <clears throat> Phil since your days in the G League, <clears throat> and as somebody who knows the connection between Phil and Kobe, what words did you when Phil finally got out of the bathroom? Were you able to say to him? How, how just, did you approach? I that? just wanted to embrace him, man, and. and there was no words that could be said at the time. There, nobody had words for anything that was going on. I just wanted to, to hug him, you know, give him, to hold him, let him know I'm here for him. You know, he's been there for so many times, man, just in Toronto, everywhere. And not just basketball stuff, but off the court. And the basketball stuff helps with off the court stuff. Um, I just wanted to be there and let him know, you know, I was, I'm, I'm here, I'm thinking about you. And I know this, but I think the toughest part for me is because, I mean, 
it hurt me, and I wasn't even that close to Kobe. I know these guys were so close to him. And, um, but to see your brothers hurt the way they were hurting, the guys that were close to him, I think made it hurt that much more for me. To mm. see how much pain they were in, how, how much it crushed them. You know, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to play against the guy, have battles with him, and actually have some conversations with him. Um, I, and I was actually looking forward to coming to this organization to actually, you know, getting to learn him a little better and talk to him more. And a lot of us missed out on that opportunity. Um, but, you know, I, I was kind of, I wouldn't say envious or jealous of those guys. I got a chance to actually do some good stuff with them. But, you know, it was a blessing for me. And I'm sure it was a blessing for them to come across <coughs> that guy and just make a relationship with him. But um, it was crazy to see. It said people like me and people who didn't know him, how hurt they were. And to see the people that were close to him and see how hurt they were and just to feel all that pain in one building um, in the Staples Center during the memorial, mm -hmm. that was one of the toughest environments I've ever had to play in mm. um, after that game. And I didn't plan on getting emotional, but when you see your teammates getting emotional, you see the fans, you see the people, you, have, you can't control your emotions at that yeah. point. And you, have, you, you just let yourself embrace it. And um, I said, seeing these guys, man, go through it, um, it's tough, and I try to be you know, as strong as I can and try to uplift them, give them energy, give them positivity, um, try to keep things light, um, you know, bring some, some happiness, some laughter to them. You know, we all watched some good Kobe clips of his good times and his funny commercials. Hmm. Um, that was great. And we had a nice little organizational lunch, which was great, and I think this time was bringing us closer together. Um, obviously, the first game back wasn't a great one, but since then, I think guys just said, basketball is fun and we, it's our job. We love to do it. We want to win but we understand the bigger picture and what's most important. Um, and that's off the court, your family, your people, how you treat people, and how much we get a chance to actually embrace each other as people, not just employees. And um, it's bringing us together, uh, you know, better than ever. Quinn, was there a moment Friday when you guys played the Blazers where, um, where it hit you? And obviously it hit you on the plane I mean, on the plane back, but there was there a moment where I wonder if you at some point maybe trying to fight it, trying to fight the emotions. Did you when did you let did you automatically feel like you have to let yourself go to embrace what was what was taking place during the the tribute? Yeah, uh, to be honest, uh, when it got to that Friday, you know, I was all cried out. I was emotionally just drained, um, physically drained, just um, you know, uh, still in denial a little bit about everything. And uh, I remember we had a workout that night. Um, you know, myself, Phil, um, Danny, and Avery, we work out every single night. Um, if we're in town, if we don't have a game, we're in the gym. This is what, Monday? This, this, this is Thursday night. Thursday night, before Thursday the game. Night yep. before the game. Mm -hmm. And we're just talking about, we work out, but we're in the gym for like another hour just talking about how everything's gonna be, telling Kobe stories um, and stuff like that. And I started getting my mind, you know, just ready for the moment, like whatever happens, happens. But when it got to the game, really, you know, I just tried to lock in on, you know, when beating the Blazers. I knew that it was going to be a tough night, the memorial, everything was going to be tough. But, you know, I think the best way to honor him is, you know, go out and go, as, go play as hard as possible. So I was trying to get myself in that mama mentality. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, as soon as I walk in, I see, you know, our, our, uh, coaching staff with the eight, you know, uh, 
warm-up shirts, and I immediately was like, all right, this is going to be, you know, a long <laughs> night. Just because just they did a tremendous job. The Lakers organization, Stapleson, they did a tremendous job of just honoring them. But um, I still try to go through my, you know, pregame, you know, um, routine the right way, just try to get back in the flow. But, uh, you know, when they gathered us up and the usher started singing, I just, I lost it. And, you know, me and LeBron had a conversation that morning um, before shooting around, and he just pulled me to the side and he said, yo, um, and this is what everybody could, you know, attest to this. You know, LeBron is just you know, a great teammate on the court, but he's an even better leader and better teammate off the floor. Just for little things like this. And it's not just, you know, what he does in social media. It's the stuff he does behind closed doors for all of us. And uh, he pulled me to the side and he just told me, I'm going to be right next to you tonight. And, uh, you know, when you cry, I'm going to be there to hold you. And, and when I cry, I need you to hold me. And when he said that to me, just... I immediately just, you know, went into brother mode. Like, all right, you know, my brother's hurting right now. Let me not worry about me. Let me not worry about my hurt. You know, I got to focus on my brother. And, you know, Usher, you know, sung. Um, we all broke down. Um, they did the, you know, the, the the videos of his interviews and just him playing. And obviously, Boys and Men did a great job. And it was a very emotional night. And, you know, we didn't get the win like we wanted to, but it was a night that, you know, that was deserved. You know, I think that, you know, um, it was a great night that we all remember. And, uh, you know, we just got to keep going. One of the things that stuck out from the ceremony, Phil, was uh, seeing Kobe and Gigi's jerseys courtside. Um, when you saw that the jerseys were there, and I don't know if I didn't see them when they played this, when you guys played the Spurs uh, Tuesday night, I didn't see the, anybody sitting in those seats. And I wonder if they might be reserved for the rest of the season. But, what do you what do you remember from seeing that imagery and obviously i've seen the video of you talking to kobe and Gigi right there at that side mm. uh what do you what where did you go when you saw that that's all i remembered i think we all everybody mm -hmm. pre-game before the game started i think everybody went over and dapped him up mm -hmm. and that's really the kind of where my mind went is uh that was the last time we saw him in that building you know sitting right there and it, i just thought it was a nice tribute uh, a nice gesture, what they did with the with the jerseys and just, you know, yeah, just just honoring him and his family, and just showing respect to everyone that was that was on that helicopter. I just, it was it was a nice gesture, man. It just mm -hmm. made me smile, you know. Again, just thinking how we again walk, you know, you see the picture of Danny walking across and giving love. So it was just, um, like Quinn said, man. As a coach, I can only imagine because it was it was emotionally draining to get up to try to coach, you know, help coach the game. So for these dudes to have to go out and play, um, that was, I knew it was going to be a tough night for them. Plus, you know, Dame came into the building with, with <coughs> his his emotions and his his respect for Kobe and what he wanted to leave as a, as mm -hmm. a mama mentality type of thing. And so it was, uh, it was one of those nights, man, where it was just, like Dan said, it had to be done. Yep. You know, Hugh said the Lakers did a great job with it, and it's just one of those things that we had to get through in order to keep moving forward, man. Do you remember this conversation you had? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Kobe and I had been talking about doing a, an app. You know, just some, have some, some, some brief conversations about developing an app geared around the mama mentality. Mm. And when I walked over to him, you know, I had sent him some information on the app 
And he just was like, yo, yo, that app information you sent me is crazy. <laughs> and that was just kind of <clears throat> where the conversation was going. And it was just like, we were just talking about, yeah, we got to get together. We need to meet, you know, in a couple weeks so I can, I can see more details of it. Uh, and it was just, that's just kind of where it went. And, you know, gave Gigi a hug, just seeing her. You know, I had spent some time with her and, and a couple of her teammates in the gym you know, a couple of weeks before that. So it was just uh, just in passing, man. He was a different dude. You know, he, he was a different dude now mm-hmm. than when he was as a player. You could tell he was happy. He was enjoying fatherhood, enjoying coaching and mentoring these girls and, and trying to help them become better basketball players. But he was just... Seemed like he was in a much better place. I want to reflect on Kobe's works after he was done playing, as you were alluding to, but you guys have some memories of him on the court, specifically you, Danny, specifically you, Quinn. Um, So, Danny, Mm -hmm. 2013 Mm -hmm. NBA Finals, one of your best moments of your career. Yes. You set the NBA Finals record, at the time at least, until a guy named Steph Curry came along. Of course, short-lived. Yeah. (laughs) Very short-lived. For most threes in an NBA Finals, do you remember this? Earlier in the season, November 13th, 2012, in Staples Center, we had the video, so we're going to let it rock. And I, of course so I remember. And- I, don't, I don't remember the date. I don't remember <laughs> when the game was. But of course I remember. This is probably the first biggest shot I ever made in my, my career. Yeah, so let's... Uh, in the NBA at the time. Yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, make sure these guys get to see it in full. Well, to uh, me before, it was. Before we get to it. is off. Lakers lead by one. Green will fire early and hit it! Green hits a three, and it's a two-point spur lead with 9.3 remaining. Popovich deceived me. He said everyone's going to expect it to be with Tony Parker. So what do I do? Run a screen for Danny Green, and you talk about drilling a three-pointer. Yes, and fire. Yeah, Yeah, man. That was young me with the low haircut. You seen why, too, why I had the the braids back. We were young back then. Um, That's actually a play that we we run, but we haven't run it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in San Antonio, it, it worked a lot. And it was kind of the start of it for me. That was my go-to. Um, but I remember when he called the play, I was like, you really going to me for, for the game? I'm like, all right. And it was just like, you know, Timmy, you're going to knock it down. You're going to knock it down. I'm like, all right, cool. And then uh, Jack was there, Steven Jackson, Dewan Blair. <clears throat> Ultimate confidence in me. Uh, Timmy set a good screen. He said I couldn't, it was after the shot, he's like, I couldn't get a piece of him. Usually Timmy sets a lot of illegal screens. And usually he'll grab somebody or you know, hip check them or something. He's like, I couldn't get to Cope, man, but I'm glad you got the shot off. <laughs> um, and I was just thinking, catch, shoot, fire, just get to the, you know, get it up, get to the, you know, to the rim, get, hopefully get a good look. Um, luckily I did. And um, after the celebrations, I almost swung and I almost hit him. <laughs> I when I was fist pumping, I almost, I almost punched him. I was like, oh, shh. I almost punched Cole. Nah, nah. This could have been bad. <laughs> he dropped 60 on you but, next um, time he see you after yeah, that. Yeah. But, I mean, I remember talking to him briefly after that, that moment. He said, that's a tough shot. There's a lot of balls, man. He said that to me, and I was like, thank you. Man. <laughs> you know, I didn't know how to, you know, Mr. I'm thinking like, thank you, Mr. Bryant. You know, like, I was like, you know, you get lucky sometimes, you know. It's, so I got to guard him because I knew he was going to get the ball and probably try to get a shot up. I don't know what happened after that. It was not a lot of time left. I'm like, I hope I, I don't can't celebrate too soon because this is fucking Kobe. Um, but I think that was the first time I really earned his respect. And I think he might have said something after the game um, in an interview about, you know, that green kid, man, he, he's got a lot of balls. He stepped up, his tough shot, he had, a, he had a tough one. 
And to me, that was probably the biggest, my welcome to the NBA type of shot. Um, I probably hit some before that, but none of them were meaningful because it wasn't against the Lakers or Kobe or anybody with a, with a name. But um, that one right there was a significant moment. I think I have that, that picture framed in my house uh, of me almost punching Kobe <laughs> in a celebration. And him was just like, I can't believe you hit that shot. Yeah. No, it's a great moment, and obviously I, I can only imagine what that did for you as oh. you went into those 2013 NBA Finals. Yeah, confidence, Still, confidence booster helped, yeah. helped a lot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Quinn, there's a moment that you had uh, with Kobe as well, but before we get to that moment where you got to interact with Kobe, I want to take you back to an interview that you did going in to the draft. And uh, you sat down with a reporter, and you made it very clear and who you wanted to play with when you got to the NBA. <laughs> if you could choose to be teammates with anyone in the NBA, who would you want to play with? I would want to play with Kobe Bryant. Why? Um, just he has the will to win. You know, he, he expects greatness. Um, you know, if you're not playing up to par, he'll get after you. And if you're playing well, he's your biggest fan. So, you know, I, I, that's been my favorite player growing up, and I just love his killer mentality. So Kobe Bryant today or Kobe Bryant like from the early 2000s? Today, in the 90s, uh, <laughs> early 2000s with the Afro, I mean, whatever Kobe <laughs> Bryant. And I, if I believe correctly, that was going into Kobe's last year. I think so. Yeah. I think so. That was right after my senior year, getting ready for the draft. I got the same outfit on, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Q. I had Q. I was sitting over here like, Q. Did y'all just film that today? It come, it come yeah. full circle. Same haircut yeah. and everything. Yeah. 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 Same haircut so, and everything. I remember that. I, I, that was in New York City. I remember, I remember that. I was in uh, New York working out for the Knicks and the Nets. And uh, I had some media to do, um, fresh off the championship. So um, my love for Kobe's never wavered. My love for the Lakers has never wavered. Mm. And uh, I think that's why <clears throat> he always showed me love. Like, you know, I'm an undrafted kid, you know. Um, like, Danny, we had to go to the G League, D League and, you know, figure it out. But I just think, you know, um, when we first met, Coach K um, knew, like, my love for the Lakers. He knew, like, I was obsessed with the Lakers, obsessed with Kobe. And, you know, I was one of... You know, K's, you know, pitches to me. It's like, you know, I coach Kobe. You know, <laughs> you know we, we talk every week. Like, For real? Like, so it's crazy. Um, I remember my freshman year, you know, I had a good game. I was, you know, um, I, had a, I had a rough, you know, freshman year. You know how it is, just going up and down, you know, starting and you won't play this game. And, you know, I remember I had a good game and uh, on national um, TV. And uh, I may have had like eight points. <laughs> five assists, and I made a, a a good defensive play at the end of the game. And, you know, Kobe texts coach after the game saying, tell Quinn, you know, great defense. He's learning. So I remember coach came up to me on the plane, and he showed me the text. And uh, the next day I got to talk to him on the phone. Um, and uh, he just knew how much I loved him. So anytime coach, you know, would talk to him on the phone, he would give, him the he would give me the phone real quick. <laughs> or, like, anytime Kobe would come to a game, you know, he would let me get like the first 10 minutes before he let, you know, any, any of the other players. So I think Kobe, you know, just loved, just knew, you know, my love for him and my respect. And, you know, he was my entire childhood. So I think he appreciated my love for him. And that's why he always went out his way to show me love. Um, and, uh, you know, I always appreciated that. There's another video, and please give us the context of this, <laughs> where you showed your admiration for him. I think this, I, 
Please, I need all the information. Ah. When was this, Quinn? <laughs> Look at that haircut, bro. Y'all <laughs> big old earring. Hey, is that? Is that that's, that's not. Is that eighty back there too? Eighty. Um. Ad Brad Bill, Austin Rose. Austin. Where was this? This was at uh in Portland, um, Nike Hoop Summit, Team USA. Uh, I was 18, and uh, you know you had the best 10 players in the country play against the world. Oh. And uh, you know we were practicing cool. in Portland. We practicing at the Nike stuff at the uh, Trailblazers uh, Arena, and we went to the game <laughs> the night before the game. <laughs> Yeah. That's my first time meeting him. So, yeah, I remember me and Brad, me and Brad were like plotting how we gonna get to him. Cause we didn't know, like we didn't know if we was gonna have a chance to. And it was Team USA, so we thought like, all right, you know, he'll come speak to us, but we ain't, we weren't gonna take no chances. So we, we, me and Brad actually went down there like third quarter of the game. It was like, we gonna stay right here. Cause they ain't, cause we ain't gonna miss this opportunity. And uh, yeah, so the whole team got together. And, you know, he was like the last guy out. This was 2000, 2011. And uh, we just waiting, waiting, waiting. He finally came. And nobody was going to say nothing. So somebody started chanting his name. I had my little Blackberry. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> man, I was just seeing him. And it was like I knew him my whole life. Like, it was just, you know, I had to hug him, man. I had to tell him, man. Like, big fan, man. And, you know, he was, he was real dope. And it's crazy because, you know, I went to Oak Hill Academy. And we had, like, uh, we had the McDonald's game. Then we had like a um, like a tournament right after, like the ESPN Rise tournament, whatever it is, and all the games were on ESPN. And I was killing, like I was killing. And we ended up losing the championship, but I was killing. I got MVP of the tournament or whatever. And it was like a week after, it was a week before that. So we're all talking and stuff. And he's like, Cook, yeah, you're gonna do. I was watching you last week on OK Kill, and I'm like, I almost fainted. Like, <laughs> I, I, you couldn't tell me nothing after that. And uh, you know, it was real dope. It was my all our first time meeting them, man. You know, uh, something that, you know, I'm so happy they got in the video because I was just raw emotion. Mm-hmm. Phil, uh, obviously you met Kobe later in your uh, later in your life, met him as a coach with the Lakers, um, but you guys have built a bond and you were able to work with him with the Mamba Pro Invitational. And I want to go back and watch some film of Kobe here uh, putting on or displaying his knowledge for the next level of basketball players coming throughout the NBA. So watching film is about questions. All right, what would happen if I moved this player here, right? And then from that, you get options. And those options, which you use during the game. And I used to watch a ton of film because when the game is being played, things are moving really fast. You would come here, look this player off. That freezes that rotation guy, right? This player here is on a rotation which means he can't body that player, right? Freeze this guy, that opens up this window. Step there. That pass goes here, look, up, look that off, fire that pass there. That pass goes from here to here for left. Hmm. Phil, why did this mean so much to Kobe? Take me inside his mindset behind all the Mamba Sports initiatives that he had. Well, the, the Mamba Pro Invitational started, um, so after I left Cleveland, you know, and then just as my relationship with Kobe uh, developed, I had a lot of players, you know, they would reach out or agents or coaches would reach out and say, hey, can you 
put so-and-so or can you ask Kobe if so-and-so can work out with them? I mean, every summer, man, it'd be like four or five guys. And so it got to a point where I was always texting him, texting him, Cole, can you work out with this dude? You know, and he was always cool. He was <coughs> like, yeah, yeah, give him my number, give him my number. Yep, yep. And so dudes would periodically, if they didn't know him, you know, if I was able to connect him, they would go to Orange County and work out with him. And so it finally got to a point where I was like, look, man, why don't we just do a, just, let's just do an invitational. Let's just do something where we do two days and we can invite 20 guys uh, and we can start it. And we get two days where these dudes get a chance to get next to you. You don't have to, you know, be in the gym four or five different times, but this is two days of work where they, you know, I'll organize all of the on-court stuff. I'll make sure the staff is, is protect. And he was like, bet, let's do it. And, um, you know, my only question to him was, who do you want invited? And he just said to me, he said, look, I want you to invite any of the guys that want to be there for the right reasons. Guys that want to work, they want to learn, they want to understand how to take care of their bodies. They want to be there for all the right reasons. So we put together, you know, I put together a list of, of uh, it was initially about 50 guys. Some of them couldn't come because they had Olympic, op, you know, some obligations. And uh, we ended up having a really good group of guys coming, some young guys. You know, obviously you saw Kyrie was there, Kawhi was there, Paul George. It was a good mix of some young guys, Fox and Buddy Hill, and, and on and on and on the list goes on. But to him, he was just at that, at that stage where I think mentoring, sharing knowledge is kind of where he, he was because so many people were coming to him always trying to figure out, man, what did you do in this? How do you do this footwork? You know, what do you think about this? How do you beat double teams? So that whole thing was we got in the classroom one day and he got on the whiteboard and he said, what's your questions? Mm. And so guys were like, how do you beat double teams? He started going on the board, what do you, you know, and really just pouring out his mind to these players, like, what do you see here? Ask questions and, you know, some guys would speak, some guys wouldn't, but he was really just sharing how he dissected the game on the whiteboard. The next day he came back and we did his version of on the court. He actually walked through how to beat defenses on the court and he was putting guys in spots and we was showing guys, look, when I used to get a double team on the block, this is what I was looking at. This is how I beat the double team. So, you know, it was two days, man, where they had a chance to kind of really understand what he did off the floor. Uh, we had weight room set up. We had nutrition set up, uh, some, some comprehensive stuff for the hand-eye coordination and then obviously we did on-court stuff for two days where I, I worked all the guys out and he was there on the floor and if he wanted to stop he was just a guy that just he stopped and gave instruction hey do this change your footwork here change your balance here and it was just a it was all hands-on thing man and the guys that were there I think they had two days of just great benefit from being able to just be next to him ask him talk to him Sit down, you know, just like you saying, Q, just, just really two days where he was just there all in. And uh, I think it was, it was a powerful, powerful event that I was a part of, man, and just, just blessed that he trusted me enough to, uh, to put it together and, and make it come to life. Uh, as you mentioned that, as somebody he coached him for a limited amount <clears> of time, <throat> what did it mean to you that he would entrust you with that, such an initiative? Man, I think... Um, just uh, respect. I think he, it, it really showed me how much respect he had 
for me and maybe just my work ethic and my approach to the game. I think I think there was a lot of similarities there. You know, Cole was one of those guys in a short amount of time that I coached him to two years. If you weren't on your P's and Q's and like like being a student of the game as a coach or as a teammate, he wasn't really fooling with you. He was one of those guys that was about putting the work in and he respected people that put in the work. He was a big respecter of guys that, that work, you know, hard and whatever your crowd, whatever it was, as a coach, player, trainer, uh, medical staff, he had a lot of respect for people that 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 put in and tried to perfect their craft. So I just took away from that that it was a it was a high level of respect. And I was honored, man. I was I was really honored. And so for me, putting the event together, I wanted to make sure that it went right. Oh sure, yeah, for sure. You know, and we were very adamant about the players when you come look man this is this is not a this is not a playtime session you come in here for two days you come in here to get some work in so if you don't come with that right mindset you don't have to worry about me chewing you out Cole he gonna let you know himself mm -hmm. but we had we had 20 guys there man for two days it was it was a perfect event you know Danny as somebody <laughs> who's um your father has a big influence on your basketball career and your mm -hmm. success so far uh, I want to read a tweet that was from Rebecca Lobo. We all know her, one of the greatest players in women's basketball history. Yes. Uh, she put out a tweet uh, once Kobe had passed away saying, no NBA player supported the WNBA or women's college basketball more than Kobe. He attended games, watched on TV, coached the next generation. Uh, we pray for his family. Danny, I know you have a bunch of friends who play in the WNBA and obviously yeah. you saw Gigi courtside. Um, obviously, when you lost Co mm -hmm. when we lost Kobe, it hurt. But when you thought about his daughter being with him uh, and being able to actually see her on courtside, what what went through your mind? Um, I think that's what made it that much tougher for most people, um, because not just you know we all see Kobe as the the basketball player, but um, seeing him as the father the last couple of years um, when he's been in retirement, um, I think grew. A lot of people were that much more closer to him and those who have kids that much closer to him and a big part of the reason why he came back to the game and actually watching the men's basketball was probably because of his daughter um, but the woman's game because of his daughters um, but he you know, he was a fan of course but he hadn't been in Staples Center or back to the Lakers game often but I think his daughter was the main reason why she's a fan of certain people she's a fan of the game and um, you know, she had that in her DNA and uh, but I said part of him being a father, I would say the basketball player by respecting him, but people respect him as a father. And then now he's coaching and, and now he's teaching. And um, it's not just, you know, NBA players. He's going to younger, the younger generation, not just younger generation of males. He's doing females, he's doing girls. And, um, you know, it was great to see. And it was great to see how much he respected them. and it made Everybody else in the league, you know, when you see a guy like that respect something, whether you like it or not, you have to respect it. Um, and I think we all respected it regardless. Um, but when he is out there showing his face at games courtside, when he's teaching these young group of, of young, you know, ladies the game, um, it inspires so many, you know, not just younger, but us, to want to go to more games, support them more, fight for them more. Um, you know, we've seen a little thing that they're passing now that the WNBA they're supposed to be getting paid more. You know, it's been a long time coming for them. Um, but she's, she's not wrong. 
she's 100% right. And he's one of the main guys that respected the WNBA um, and watched them and supported them more than anybody else um, that's come through our league. And, um, you know, he was kind of setting, I say staple, or the, but he was kind of setting the tone with kind of us supporting them more and bringing more, you know, to, to you know, women's basketball. You know, Quinn, you know, as after his passing, the hashtag girl dad became viral. And now I was thinking as a guy, a single guy, and you're thinking about life in general, having a family, you think, I'm a, I'm a man, I want a boy, right? And then, but it was almost as if Kobe was making it cool. Make definitely it, making it cool. He was making it cool. Like, no, I to, got to a girl who could be on the court yeah. and she can give you the business as well. Yeah. Um, when you <clears throat> saw the example that he was leading in terms of having a family and embracing having girls as opposed to, you know, the stereotypical guy wants sons. You know, what did you take away from, from the example that he was setting in that sense? I thought it was the coolest thing that, that he's done um, for me. Um, you know, we've all watched 20 years of him on the court um, and you, you see his competitive nature. Like Danny said, there's no talking, you know, during the game after he might, you know, um, say something to you or, you know, not be nice, but just, you know, be regular. But on the court, he was just this tenacious guy. Like, there's no friends, there's no hugging, there's no, none of that stuff. It's, you know, straight business. And I feel like, you know, we all have this image of him just being this mean, super focused guy, like on the court of, you know, to reach that common goal, to reach that championship, to reach that, you know, best player. But we seem like the complete opposite the past three years, just, mm. I've never seen him not smiling. Like any picture I saw when he came to a game, if he was doing an interview, just he was giving, you know, the whole world, you know, everything that he had. And when you saw him with his daughters, you just saw pure, genuine happiness. And uh, for me, it's like I was watching an interview the other day. You know, I, I, the question was like, don't you want a boy, you know, to carry on your legacy? He was like, no, I got four beautiful daughters who are going to do that. I have, you know, one who's going to be one of the best basketball players ever. I have, you know, my oldest, she's a great volleyball player. Just the confidence that he had in his girls and the love that he had was just something that I don't have kids, but, you know, you could just see it pouring out through the TV. You could see it pouring out how they walk. Like, I was, I seen a video of, um, I think it was the first game they came to watch us play against the, against the Hawks this year. And uh, Gigi was walking. And I'm looking, I'm like, she walks exactly like Kobe. <laughs> like, it is, it is, un, it is ridiculous. Uh, and then it's just like, they were sp split images, man. And it's just, he gave those girls, he gave his family everything. And um, like Danny said, I think that's what made it more devastating, just heartbreaking, is that, you know, his baby girl was involved. And, you know, now um, Vanessa, you know, doesn't, you know, have a husband and, and lost a daughter. And it's just, it's completely heartbreaking. It's a, complete tragedy, but, you know, I think he served his purpose. I think he gave us everything he had, you know, for 41 years, and especially the last three, it was just, you know, pure happiness and pure joy and just pure, you know, love for everybody and especially his family. And, and them girls had a lot to do with it. Um, so you didn't see a soft side of Kobe at yeah. all until yeah. Yeah. it came to those girls. And yeah. Bron said it to us, but, and he showed his heart, he showed his love and his soft side when those girls were around. And I'm your stereotypical guy. I, I, I don't want no, no daughters <laughs> when I have kids. But after seeing how he was with those girls mm -hmm. and seeing how he made it so cool to have daughters, you know, I don't mind. 
you know, having a, a daughter now. If I don't have any kids yet, but if I were to have one, you know, I, I could see how the connection he had, the love he had, I could see myself trying to, if I can be anywhere near him, see myself trying to be like that and it'd be okay and being a girl dad. But I, I'm still want my boys. I still want boys. <laughs> <laughs> if I end up with girls, though, you know, I don't mind being a girl dad. Phil, did you ever, I'm assuming you've had a couple workouts with Gigi. Yeah. What was, what was, what was that like? And how sim, everybody says she was similar to Kobe. Do you remember her demeanor, her mannerisms on the court? Well, I remember the first time, um, the first time I worked her out, it was after we won the championship in, in Toronto, right? Mm -hmm. took, some, took some time off, um, and I hadn't been in the gym for like a month. And he called me one day, it was like, yo, where you at? You know, should come down, if you're in LA, man, come down and work Gigi and a few of her teammates out. And so that was my first day back in the gym after, after the championship run. I went down to Orange County and the first thing he said to me was, you know, I just said, man, what you, you know, what do you need me to help him with? He said, man, give him everything. Don't, don't take it easy on him. No, he said, he was like, don't come in here treating them soft. Like, treat them just like you treat us in the workouts. He's like, they serious. So the girl, um, Alyssa, that was on the helicopter, mm. I worked her and Gigi out the first time that day. And... And when I when he when he say they were serious, they were serious. Like we went through like an hour and a half workout, you know, the ball handling, the footwork, and and they were locked in, like locked in. And you could tell, like you obviously people see clips of Gigi like recently shooting fadeaways, like all that all that stuff that Cole had. Man, he was definitely sure putting it on her mm -hmm. and say, hey, this is how you. And she wasn't afraid to try it. But the thing I liked the most was. It wasn't him forcing her to play. You could tell that she had her own genuine love for the game, obviously through him, but it was just she wanted her own slice of greatness. And so, like, in workouts, you know, I, had a, I had a chance to work her out, you know, three or four times, and she was always asking questions. She would ask questions. And if she missed shots, she was pissed. You know, she like her dad. Like, she was pissed if she missed shots. So you could see... The competitive spirit there, you know, her and their girl, Alyssa, man. The, the, the other girl, Alyssa, was very talented, too. Uh, really, really talented. So you you just see what he was doing with them. Like, he was he was treating them, not as females, but he treated them like basketball players. And he was, his mindset was, if you're going to step on this floor and play, you might as well do it the right way. Mm. And that's just, that, that, was his, that was his mindset with them. Danny, we have uh, some time uh, mm -hmm. before we got to go here. So we want to... I do want to make sure we discuss this as well. Kobe won an Oscar, mm -hmm. known for his storytelling portion of his career as well. <clears throat> when you saw him start to go into that venture, I'm sure that made what we're doing here uh, seem like you were on the right path in terms of building your career going forward basketball. outside of basketball, even though you're using basketball as a leverage point to continue mm -hmm. your storytelling aspirations, whatever aspirations you have after basketball is done. Mm -hmm. um, seeing that, I said that was just seeing a whole other side of Kobe. You just don't expect that from a guy. I said he was so tenacious, and you see how that image of him. He's a monster. You know, he's he's the ultimate competitor. And to see him actually venture out and let the world see and touch that side of him, you know, I was like, his daughter's a soft side. He started branching out to children, 
children's books and kids. Um, it grew everybody in the world that much closer to him. You've seen a guy from 17, 18 years old grow up, become a man, made some mistakes, we all make mistakes, own up to those mistakes, take responsibility for those mistakes, <clears throat> and become great, and then become a great father, and then you know become a, a great human being. You know, even though on the court a lot of people didn't like him as a teammate or a competitor playing against him, um, you know, he just became great at everything he did and was getting better and actually letting the world in on his life. Um, and that's why everybody in the world was so devastated because they watched a young kid grow up. It's like watching your, your favorite TV series for 20 years, mm. the main character. Um, you know, you watch him go from a kid to a, an adult and a parent. And then, you know, the TV series ends. You're like, what do I do? Your world stops, mm. you know? And, that, that character becomes your favorite person in the world, like a family member. Um, so that um, was interesting to see, man, and to see him. So that showed his, that side of him. It showed how, said how sec secure he was in himself, how brave he was to well, try new things, do different things, and to try to be great at these new things. Um, it just showed you, it said his habits as a person, how you know, he broke everything down. Regardless of what, I'm going to write the best children's book possible. <laughs> you know, no matter what it is, he wanted greatness from it. And um, he told this story. And even though he was there for a short time, like Quinn said, he, he gave us a lot. He gave us it all. And um, you know, he lived his years as a basketball player like it was his last games. He lived his years as a father like it was his last day of being a father. And I don't think he shorted anybody of anything. Yeah. Even though we weren't close to him, I still felt that impact from him. Like, I got everything I needed from Kobe, even though he's only here for 41 years. <clears throat> I have a, another thing that you can get from Kobe is you know, more, obviously you guys want to win the title regardless. Mm -hmm. But uh, obviously with his passing, it could be another motivating factor to win another title <coughs> for the Lakers. Uh, there's a message uh, from a former Laker, one of Kobe Bryant's teammates, and he wanted to lend some advice for you guys on how you handle the rest of the season going forward as you uh, try to remember Kobe in all of your efforts. The video's right here. Is this Shaq? It's coming. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a surprise. You know, I, I think for the first time in a long time, we're seeing a team that prior to Kobe's death, I think was playing inspired basketball as though they were proud to put the uniform on. Mm -hmm. We've missed that for a number of years. I think this group already possessed that. Um, but I believe that, you know, Kobe's commitment level and, and the discipline and the focus and the sacrifice, like I would just encourage every guy on the team to not, like, you don't know when something's going to happen. And it, it makes no sense to save anything ever. Like it makes no sense to take a possession off. It makes no sense to go half-ass in practice, to not pay attention in the film session like it because that could be your last one yeah and that's i think that's why we appreciate kobe's approach so much is that you could tell he just didn't take anything for granted really like he really tried to maximize everything he ever did and touched and um i'm hoping that in some way the guys can rally around that and the city needs it the fans will need some positive things to connect to in the coming days 
I'll let you guys respond to those Derek Fisher words. I mean, that's all the motivation you need. Um, I know when we got together this year, um, everybody, you know, you know, seemed to be have their own motivation. If it was, you know, disrespect, if it was, you know, didn't have a good season, if it was coming off a great season, like just everybody, you know, felt like they had something to prove coming together individually. Um, we put that at the door, you know, when we first met in Vegas. And I never been on a team where from day one, it just felt like I've been on this team with the same group of guys for 10 years, from day one, literally. And playing in the league, like we all, you know, um, know each other. You know, if we see each other, you know, outside of the arena or we always show love because we know, you know, um, who each other are. But I'm talking about from day one, our first dinner in Vegas, it was like a family reunion. Yeah, we all, even the group text, I'm just like, yeah, oh, this is different. As soon as they, it, was, it was different. I've and had it, group text with teams and there was not many responses. And it, people and chiming it, in, but from day one. It was one, genuine. Like, it wasn't forced. It was just genuine. And we knew we had the talent. You know, we knew we had the coaches. We knew we would be prepared. But I feel, you know, to, to take that next step is to make the sacrifices. It's to, to be, you know, you know, all in together. And it's easier to say it than, you know, than actually going to do it. And I think that we've been through some stuff already. The China stuff, the just being playing for the Lakers anyway is just, you know, a tough thing. Being a, a teammate of LeBron, that's another thing. And everything we do is, is under the microscope. And obviously, he, these two won the championship last year. Me coming from the Warriors, just, you know, we were used to that. So we also had our two cents to, you know, this is what we did, and this is what happened right here. And you have guys like Rondo and Bron who, you know, who are champions in this league, and they're all ears as well. They're asking questions, and everybody put their ego on my side. And obviously, you go through the season, you know, we've had some injuries. We've had some, you know, some hot runs where we've won a lot of games in a row. We've lost, you know, four in a row. Um, and we had to go back to the drawing board. But at the end of the day, I think that, We've always had the, the right mindset, and obviously we get in our routine, like Danny said, like we get kind of caught up in, you know, ourselves and something as minuscule as a losing, you know, um, you know, a job or losing minutes in a rotation. Just I think this kind of now I know I know for me it put a lot of things in perspective, but it's like that's more motivation that you need. Like I remember Phil Texas the other day, like usually like we. We work out at like 7, you know, 7.15, and, uh, you know, he had some stuff going on. He texts like, yo, we're going to go at 9. And in my head, I'm like, man, I don't really feel like it because I know we got to shoot around. I got to be back up. But my mom like, nah, man, like, what would Kobe do? You know what I'm saying? Like, what would Kobe do? And it's just like everybody, you know, has that mindset. And you know, I felt what D. Fish was saying, like, the city needs it. These fans need it. Like, these fans need it. And it's not any added pressure on us because that was a goal from day one. But, you know, it's just something that that would be the best thing to do is to keep going, doing what we're doing. We're number one in the West. Let's keep, you know, creating these good habits. We're going to have our slip-ups, but keep being coachable, keep being consumed with winning. And, you know, we have the talent. And, you know, take it one game at a time, keep building these good habits. And, we can, everybody can really sit here and say that we have a chance. We have a chance. It comes with a little bit of luck, you know, uh, 
obviously we're gonna put the hard work in, but you know, we really have a chance. And I think that we always will have that in the back of our minds is that, you know, we're together, we've been through real life stuff. It's not about wins and losses, it's about this team, it's really a family and we get it done, we don't get it done. We're all can look ourselves in the mirror, we can look each other in the eye and be like, Well, this was really a family and we gave each other everything we had. We could almost spend a lifetime talking about Kobe and his works. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, I think we'd be remiss, Danny, I don't know if we had an opportunity to mention this as well, uh, to send our condolences to everybody connected in the NBA family, to mm -hmm. David Stern as well. <clears throat> so as we say goodbye here, uh, if you guys can just reflect on David Stern as well and Kobe Bryant one last time before we turn the page on this side and as you guys try to commemorate them in, in all your efforts going forward. Uh, Phil, I'll let you go, then Quinn, and then Danny, I'll let you take us home. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, obviously, David Stern is a, is a game changer, man. I think just his vision of what he wanted the NBA to look like is on a global scale and, and just from a, from a popularity standpoint, you, you see it now. You know, the NBA is a, is a viral, vibrant business uh, worldwide. And I think that was his vision. And just, I mean, I, don't, I never met David Stern personally, but just uh, all of us are sitting here, obviously because of the work that he put in and, and the people behind him. And, um, you know, he just gave a platform for guys like Kobe to, to be able to showcase what they do to the world. And uh, obviously, man, Kobe's imprint is, to me, is far-reaching, is far bigger than basketball. The whole mama mentality is a real thing, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have anything to do with basketball. I think that applies to every aspect of your life, and that was part motivation of where I came up with the whole be your own goat concept. Just it's about your greatness every day, what you're doing. I don't, again, I don't care if you're a cameraman, you're a fireman, you whatever you're doing, you carry a certain mentality. And I think, I think you know, as Q and Danny saying, Kobe left us a lot, and he left a lot for people to understand, you know, what is the mama mentality. And that's just a way of life, man. That's just how you go about your daily thread. So I'm honored to be part of uh, the NBA family. You know, never met David Stern, but I was also <coughs> honored to, to have had the opportunity to build a, a real lasting relationship with Kobe. Yeah, um, a lot of what Phil said, uh, just, you know, he, his vision of, you know, making, you know, our league such you know, a love league around the world is something that um, was very extraordinary. I think he did so much for the game um, and his relationships with the Coles, with the Shacks, with the Mikes, with the everybody respected him. And what he did for the game just um, says a lot. And his legacy will last in this league forever. And for me, it's like that's another part of your childhood. I know growing up, me and my friends used to always be, man, we got to shake David's hand. Like, we got to shake David Stern's hand. And... When I got to high school, my mom started, when I lost my dad, my mom started to make me, you know, write down my goals. And my first goal I ever said was, you know, shake David Stern's hand, be an NBA player. And my mom was like, if I had a bad game, if I, you know, had a bad day just in life growing up as a kid, she always reminded me, you know, you want to shake David Stern's hand or not? Mm. And I just had that constant, you know, reminder in my head, like, I got to get to David Stern. I got to get David Stern. And, you know, when I got, you know, to be a professional, he wasn't the commissioner anymore, but he just did so much for the game. And um, I just think that, 
you know, what he's done and what Kobe's done um, for basketball, um, you can use it in everyday life. Like Phil said, that mama mentality. You could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, <coughs> and have that mama mentality in your field. A parent, just have that mama mentality, that focusedness. Um, man, it just definitely puts a lot of things in perspective. DG? Yeah, um, I wasn't fortunate enough to shake David Stern's hand draft night, um, but I did meet him and come across him multiple times, and we've had some good conversations. And um, I think during his tenure, he wasn't as appreciated as he, he should have been. Um, but you started to realize how much he really fought for the players and fought for the league when he was no longer commissioner. I think people appreciate him a lot more during that time. Um, but Mr. Stern was amazing, man. He was great. I said, we wouldn't be here today without him. Um, a lot of people, the, the foreigners, the Europeans, he expanded the NBA so much. Um, and obviously Adam Silver's done a great job too, bringing it to different countries, different places and allowing us to do what we love to do as a job. Um, and wake up every day like it's Christmas is amazing. Um, but to Mr. Stern, he, he really fought for the players, man. And um, you know we, we owed him more during his tenure, but I think we kind of made up for it when he was retired, when we showed, saw him, he showed a lot of respect and love. And um, you know he still tried to implement some different things when he was retired. And I'm sure he had a lot to say and a lot to do with helping you know Adam. Um, when, while he was still here. Um, but yeah, we, you know, condolences to him and his family. And uh, he's a big part of the reason of why the league is the way it is and how successful it is <coughs> and has been run. Um, and to Kobe and the seven other members and other families that were lost, uh, that lost people on the helicopter crash, obviously sending out condolences to them. Um, but like Phil and Quinn said, um, Kobe has left us with more than enough. Uh, and said his legacy will carry on forever, um, but not just as a basketball player, but because of a lot of other things he did um, on and off the floor. Um, but um, so he's left me more than enough um, in his 41 years of what I looked up to when I was a kid, to playing against him as a competitor, to seeing him as a father. Um, those three things right there, I learned so much from. And um, you know, condolences out to all his family and all his ex-teammates that were really close to him. And I, and I thought about it when I thought to look to get Phil, I thought about Shaq as well. Because uh, that's the first time I actually ever met Kobe was with Shaq. And I don't think they were as tight at the moment. They were still kind of getting over some things. Um, and obviously Dwight took it hard too, because Dwight was, a, he was a teammate. Um, but I just remember, you know, being with Shaq and I was a rookie <coughs> carrying coolers and DJ heroes and all types of <laughs> rookie stuff. And um, just walking into the elevator, I think it was actually in San Antonio. This is crazy. I never think about it. And um, Shaq's in the elevator, I'm carrying stuff, and Kobe jumps on. And I'm just like, I don't know how to act or what to say. I'm just quiet in the corner. And um, I'm thinking, like, who the fuck? And I'm thinking, you know, my mind is I didn't really follow Kobe as, as much as Quinn did. I was a Mike fan. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, he grew up in Italy, you know, or if he played in Italy, he knows different languages. He's probably, he started talking to me in Philly slang. He was just like, where the ball at? I'm like, who are you talking? I'm like, who are you talking about? I'm like, who are you talking about? Like, you talking about? Yeah. Where my young ball at? I'm like, oh, he's talking about, about Brian. I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is a Philly guy. I'm like, he's from Philly. I'm like, he's probably somewhere, you know, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, he's probably, you know, I carried all his stuff up. He's in his room, probably chilling or something. I tell him I asked about him, you know, he's just, you know, shooting the shit. But, um, 
Yeah, condolences out to those guys. I know Shaq took it hard. Um, I said teammates that had seen different sides of Kobe. They seen the competitive nature where they had some tension, and they seen the father side or the Kobe that actually was more embracing, accepting um, some of his flaws and their flaws, and however they got over their situation. But um, you know, it was great to see them at that time uh, be in a better place, and obviously throughout the years see them grow together. And um, you know, I know Shaq said Shaq took it hard, and he was a teammate of mine, so to see him hurting the way he's hurting uh, was tough as well. But um, you know, Kobe said left me with more than enough to to learn from and to still stay motivated and inspired to be something as close to him as, as I could possibly be. Danny, you had an opportunity to hit a game winner in front of Kobe with Kobe guarding mm -hmm. you. You have the opportunity to win for the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Quinn, you watched Kobe tear his Achilles. <laughs> you watched him have the 60-point game. You followed him your entire career. You have an opportunity to win for the franchise you were cheering for as a child. And Phil, you have the opportunity for a man who's given you uh, an opportunity to continue his legacy with coaching. You have an opportunity to not just continue it outside the Lakers, but a chance to win with the Lakers as well as a coach. Uh, a unique opportunity that you guys have. And uh, I am pushing for you guys, even though, Danny, you know I'm not. I appreciate I don't root. I don't root for people. <laughs> I'm a journalist here. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wish you guys best of luck. Thank you for tuning in to this special Kobe Bryant tribute episode of Inside the Green Room. Once again, we want to send our condolences to everybody who was involved in that fatal helicopter crash, all nine victims. Make sure you tune in for more Inside the Green Room on the way. Once again, thank you to these guys. We'll see you next time. <laughs>